Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Knowing what you know now, what is the best piece of advice that you would give to an aspiring founder? The hardest thing to do is really to start your business and really take the leap, really put in the work and the leap of faith to say to yourself that I can do this and doing it consistently. I always tell founders to not let their imposter syndrome get the best of them because I really did start from nothing. I started in my kitchen, in my dining room, my garage, and I'm still not at a point where somebody else is pouring my candles for me in a factory, but I'm still in these amazing stores with accolades. It is possible for somebody to do it, but you can't tell yourself you can't do it. Not letting imposter syndrome getting the best of you is so important. I can't emphasize that enough. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. I feel like I have been watching you glow up since the pandemic and you are doing incredible things. I really feel like we connected like when I was doing like one-on-one random coaching calls like back in the day. And I remember when you sent me your first product, it was a candle. And I was like, this is a thing? Latina themed candles? I was so excited. And I guess we can say that the rest is history because you have been doing incredible things with your company, Bonita Fierce Candles. I can't wait to dive into all of this with you. But first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I can't say enough how thankful I am to know you because you were actually one of my very first customers on launch day. And that's something I will remember. Like I launched in November 2020 and I was like waiting to see who would be my first customer that like was not like direct family and friends and you were it and can't thank you enough. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that is so incredible. I love that. All right. So for folks who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm Melissa Gallardo. I'm founder and CEO of Bonita Fierce Candles Premium Home Fragrance that celebrates Latin heritage and culture. We have scents like Lavender Fabulosa, Coquito, Cafecito con Leche, Orchata, just listing off the amazing scents that we have. And you can find me on all the social media platforms. I'm actually surprisingly under 30. And this business is three years old now, born in November of 2020. Wow. Okay. So we have so much to dive into. You know, I find the more and more people that I talk to in the entrepreneurial space, like there was something about the pandemic that really shook people to their core and made them question like everything that they were doing with their careers. So before you launched this company, what were you doing? I was working for one of the top five media conglomerates in the world in Times Square in New York City. I had recently graduated college in May 2019, and it was my first job right out. I was an intern my senior year of college and then eventually found like uh, like contracted work, permalance work through this company. And I was commuting two hours each way to work because I'm from Long Island, New York. And the Long Island Railroad is $500 a month where I'm from. So it was a time and a half right out of school in a media career. And then the pandemic hits in May 2020, finally leaving me to work from home. So what was the epiphany for you that happened during that time that made you say, I want to launch a Latina themed candle brand? Help me connect the dots. I know. So I first was working from home and I was just so exhausted because of the commute. And I was also going to graduate school at night. I had just started graduate school in January 2020. So I was only school for like a few weeks before the pandemic hit. 
And with this new found time, as most people did during the pandemic, you picked up a pandemic hobby. And I was already burning through so many candles in my collection. Like I was going to Target. I was going through all of my specialty candles that were like just on my shelf. And it's always been part of my self-care rituals. So I thought to myself, why not get a candle kit off of Amazon and pour some candles for the first time? They turned out horrible. Let me just say that. I'm like, I was using essential oils, like a few drops, nothing that compares to what the brand is today, but it was like my first like fun activity that I did for me and for someone who worked their butt off in school. Like I had six internships in college. Like I really worked my way from unpaid intern to paid intern at a top company. And like I finally got to do something for me. And I was also starting to get into this space. And this is how I found you to begin with. I was trying to understand what a 401k was and how to save for retirement and really take charge of my money because I was never taught it in school. And it was never something that was top of mind. Like I was just always living on survival mode. And then when I finally got a real paycheck, I was like, what do I do with it? So that led me to think, let's start a side hustle with candles. Like I really enjoyed it. I was like, maybe I can make a few bucks on the side, set up a website and LLC, like finally like thinking like, maybe I could really do this and make this happen. But when I realized I need like somehow these candles to stand out. And I first was also coming into my Latinidad. My hair was going curly and I was more connected to the community and finally just feeling my Latinidad. So I thought, let's also shop for products that were connected to my identity. Mm -hmm. And I didn't find anything in the candle space. And then everything kind of like (laughs) came together in the summer of 2020 in light of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement that I was like really intentionally shopping for products. I was making a hobby into then a side hustle. Like everything was just kind of coming together piece by piece in my life. And that's how Bonita Fierce Candles started, Latina Candles. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. So you start this hobby that quickly you think, "Mm, this could probably be a cool side hustle. You identify your niche. What's the first roadblock that you encounter when it comes to like actually selling a product, right? Because I think one of the things that I would think is like, okay, who's going to make all these candles? Where am I going to get these supplies? How are we going to send these things out? Because they're fragile. You don't want to break. So like, what was that process for you to actually start putting some logistics in place to make this happen? So surprisingly, the hardest part was getting supplies like getting glass was actually most challenging because we were in the supply chain issues during the pandemic. So I had to really figure out how much I could buy reasonably, like take some money out of my paycheck and buy a few cases of glass jars. And that's what I would start with. The biggest hurdle in the very beginning was actually acquiring customers because Two-thirds of the candle market is sold in big box stores, and people don't know what a candle smells like when you're buying it online. So really mastering storytelling was the hardest part, like really getting people to connect with the product because it's not like you could smell it before you buy it, which actually then led into like my second offering of candle tins. So people can get basically half the product that I was originally selling for half the price because people can order a few at a time and try them. 
Now, when it comes to a marketing perspective, right, finding that ideal customer and having folks convert from just like being interested in what you're doing to actually buying your product, what was that process like for you? Like, did you decide, hey, I'm going to look at social media as a primary avenue or I'm going to look at Instagram influencer collaborations? Like, what was your thought process for that? In the very beginning, it was more about social media, but then slowly but surely, I realized that. I wasn't using my superpowers and I come from a media background. I worked for a big media company. And so I started hitting up my old intern managers and my old classmates and getting product placements. So I was featured in Cosmopolitan, ABC7 Eyewitness News, eventually GMA3. And it kept going that route. Like I was just asking my classmates like, hey, how can I get my product to you? Sending product to journalists and connecting with journalists in a very authentic way, following them, connecting with them and getting those first few placements was really huge because it creates brand trustworthiness on my website. Like I could put the logos on my website say, and link all of these, these articles saying like, we're a legit business and I have a Shopify store, not an Etsy shop. So it was also taking a little bit more seriously there. And Eventually, once I got, you know, my foot off the ground with product placement, then did I decide to like really expand beyond social media and connect with consumers in other different ways. What has that been like? Uh, What are the different methods that you've used? So we've done a few very select gifting, but then once we got off the ground with product placement, I saw a lot of opportunity in corporate gifting. And my very first Hispanic Heritage Month we got a request from a major bank. And that was really surprising. Like I realized that the product placements in said articles, like if we're in a top 100 brands, Latin owned brands to shop this Hispanic Heritage Month, that corporations and people who have decision-making power to purchase our products were looking for us. Like they were looking for a product that really spoke to their ERGs, their diversity initiatives. And because of the timing, it's 2021 by this point, I was going that route. I was like, oh my God, there's so much money here to be had. Like I can make $3,000 in one order. That became the strategy for the following year. I'm like, how do I continue on with getting on these lists and getting the word out there for corporations? And then at the same time, other consumers are looking at us. So we're seeing, you know, other D2C consumers, and then we eventually dabbled into ads. And that's where we are right now. So from the moment that you launched your first product to you quitting your job to do this full time, what was that timeline like? I left my first job about 18 months into the role. So I want to say around March 2021, somewhere around there. I think I left my job and I took some time off. I needed a reset. I was really having a hard time at work and just feeling motivated to work and realizing that the corporate world just wasn't for me, even working from home. Like I was just living in a a very early post-grad bubble. Like this is amazing. And all the perks of being in the office, like I, I had a really cool office when I was working from home, I realized I hated my job. There was no way I was going to get out of being a permalancer with no benefits. Like I wasn't getting a 401k. I wasn't getting health insurance. And like, that was one of my number one priorities. I'm like, how am I going to get health insurance by the time I'm 26? And this doesn't seem like this is going to be the path for me. 
And so I took some time off right after I left my job. And then I realized that I should do other contracted work. I have to go back to work. I didn't have enough money to go full-time in the business. So by that summer, I began working for a tech company doing like backlogging of like copyright infringement cases, which is like, which was really boring, but it paid the bills and it paid a lot more. So I was like, this is going to work for me. I could still work from home and then low-key watching the World Cup, like while I'm on my laptop, (laughs) just sitting, sitting around looking at cases. That was so helpful because I was able to negotiate my rate up and only work for three months. And then I strategically left, like I could have stayed, but I didn't want to. And so I took another three months off to work on the business. It was Hispanic Heritage Month leading into Hispanic Heritage Month. That was a really good move on my part because that's our biggest time of the year. This is September, 2022. And then my last job, I went back to work, got another job in December, 2022, I believe somewhere around this time. And I did another three month gig, negotiated my rate. I was covering someone for maternity leave. So I knew this was going to end. And I told myself it's going to end here. And I was not going to go back into doing another contract gig because the entire time I was saving half my income for the next three months. I was like, I'm going to have three months worth of living expenses by the end of it. So I would work for three months, take three months off, live off that money. So I was really trying to stretch out my dollar because I'm working from home. I don't have to pay rent because I'm living with my parents and I'm living in my like childhood family home. I have bills to pay. I still have my loans, I still have my car, but it's not eating up every part of my income which I'm very, very grateful for. By the time the next year rolled around, I was like, this is it. I'm not going back to work and I'm going to take this business full time. And I didn't have it really have enough to in income through the business. I was really taking a leap of faith at that point that I knew working full time in the business, whether it be 40, 60, 80 hours a week on this business, that I was going to make it work. And I did because I grew from $36,000 a year as a side hustle to over $125,000 the next year. Wow. Like, and I wasn't, and that wasn't even a full year in business. And then in 2023. And that was you doing it part-time. That was me doing it part-time. Like I was still, I was still doing my, like, what is it? 2020, I left the whole corporate world in 2022. So my timeline might be off in this because I'm thinking, I left my like for good into March 2022. And so the rest of the year from April to December is when I made $125,000 in revenue. Well, it makes sense because you're not stretching yourself out trying to wear 13 different hats, be present for your job, be present for your business. It's just the natural thing that is going to happen, right? Is that you are able to focus on that money making stuff in the business because you actually have the time and energy to dedicate to it. Right. And so I was really able to hunker down on the timeline of my business. I realized that in the summer months, I should be working in corporate when it's not candle season. People are not buying candles over the summer. People are outside and not looking for home goods rather than the fall in the winter time when it's Hispanic Heritage Month when all eyes are on my business and people are looking for fall and winter candles and it's gifting holiday season. And that's when I should be taking time off to actually work on the business, fulfill orders, talk to clients, get those corporate gifting orders. Okay. So 
clearly every entrepreneur has been through that journey of balancing the nine to five, doing the side hustle. What was that first couple of years like? Like, let's keep it real because I know I was personally exhausted, but I was also very inspired by the work that I was doing. And so even though I was exhausted, like it didn't register to me that I was, you know, on a path to burnout. Did you have the same experience? I did. It was kind of euphoric in a way because I was in the grunt of my dining room. Like I let my mom let me convert my dining room into like a miniature candle studio. So I was taking like foldable chairs, like foldable tables. I mean, that like we would whip out only on Thanksgiving and Christmas to like extend the table for all of our family. And I turned that into like a candle making station. And I was taking like pictures of wax to my stovetop coming back into the dining room pouring a bunch of candles and I had stacks of bottles like on a shelf that we took out of my garage brought it upstairs like I really turned a half of like the upstairs of my house into like a miniature candle studio and then eventually like when I knew I was going to go full-time my stepdad was unemployed And he had been a previous construction worker. So he turned half the garage into a candle studio for me, which I moved into right before Black Friday, immediately outgrew it within the year and then (laughs) converted the entire bottom half of my house into a candle studio. And that's where we are today. And he built a shed to hold like all of the, like the materials, like the materials that don't have to be climate controlled. Like I bought a shed for like $3,000. He built it, you know, it's outside forever now where that it's holding all my materials, extra cardboard boxes, because where else is it going to go? Like we just started making space for all of this stuff. Wow. What has your family said along this journey? I can imagine like you were getting some looks like what the hell is this girl doing? No, it's so funny you say that because my neighbors are so suspicious of it. Like low key. (laughs) Like, I live in the suburbs on Long Island. So, like, the majority, like, I grew up in a very, like, white suburban town. And so, recently, when I fulfilled a order for Barnes & Noble, we launched into Barnes & Noble nationwide. And we did it all for my house. And, like, 7,000 candles came out of my house in August. And so, because it's the middle of August in New York, in the heat, they were all being stored inside. The day before the giant truck was to show up at my house, we laid out plywood from the concrete in my backyard down my front lawn. So we like made a path for like the pallets that we were building to go outside of my house. And my family was like, they looked around the house like, what have you done to like, we need to get these out of here. Because there were like the the boxes for Nordstrom were upstairs in my dining room. Again, we like moved all the furniture just so we could store like 60, 30 pound boxes. And then all the Barnes and Noble orders just like were shoved downstairs floor to ceiling. I'm not even kidding. We just built the pallets outside in the heat the night the night before. Like we took every single box, slapped a label on it, and we built the pallets for two hours straight right around like seven o'clock at night when it was already sunset. So we would make sure that the candles wouldn't melt the next day. It was insane. They were so happy (laughs) to see them all gone. I can tell you that. And we haven't done anything like that again, but like 
I think I pushed them all to the breaking points. My sister burnt out. She was working for me. She quit. Then like, <laughs> she was like, I'm done. This is it for me. That is so real. But I'm so happy that like they sound like they've been super supportive of this dream of yours. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? I totally agree. Like they have been so supportive from the very beginning and they, my mom just lets me do what I want to do in the house. Clearly. <laughs> have you always been that kid that they're just like, I, you know, she's on her new next adventure. We're just going to sit back and watch. Yeah, that was me. Like if I wanted to start a new hobby, she was like, go for it, have fun. And she like very much encourages my sister and I to pursue what we love. Which, um, again, like, it's I'm so grateful for because, like, I knew I wanted to go into a media career and she was always so supportive of it. Like, she never pushed me to be, like, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, like, a very traditional role. Like, she's just always, like, I want you to live out your dreams and I want you to be happy. Obviously, like, do well for yourself, but it was really just about being happy and I'm very grateful that to have a mom like that. Yeah, that's incredible. What was uh, the reaction when you said, okay, guys, I'm going to quit my job to do this full time after I went to school and did all the things? My family trusted me because they knew I would put my mind to it. And based off of like my my history and like really being determined to do what I wanted to do in life, like I decided to go to school in New York City and I was going to work. I was going to work my ass off from the very, very bottom on paid internships working two jobs in, in college so I can take an unpaid internship and work from the bottom up. I didn't even care so much about my grades or the point of just being in the city, getting an education and like taking enough of what I needed and working my way up to a top company. That was like the ultimate goal was to get a job that I would like and pursue a career. But I knew that like I would have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Yeah. Yeah. That's the story of being a Latina in America, right? Like <laughs> that's just what it is. Okay. So you are the first Latina owned candle brand to be featured in places like Nordstrom. You mentioned Barnes and Noble, Urban Outfitters. What advice do you have to aspiring product-based entrepreneurs that are just like, holy shit, hashtag goals. How do I make this happen? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Honestly, the more I think about it, the more I just have to say, like, you need to understand retail readiness because it eats you alive when you are bootstrapping a business. Like having very strong margins is very important because I have made the mistake in previous deals of giving too much of a discount, even at a wholesale point where I didn't give myself enough room for mistakes. And because you're bootstrapping and at first it's your own money and then it's the business's money and you're trying to just make the wheel bigger. Like I put in $10,000 to start my business, just, you know, taking out of my paycheck every week from work. And by the end of the year, I was like, oh my God, I spent $10,000. Like I had no idea. And then I'm just trying to make the wheel bigger. Like I'm trying to make money off that $10,000 in you know, take out material, get more materials and grow the business. And then eventually you don't even like give yourself enough room for a salary. And I've been there like where there's months at a time that in the summer where I can't take a salary because I have to pay for contractors and products and systems and employees. Like it's really important to make sure that you set yourself up for success from the very, very beginning in mastering your margins. And in order to get to retail, you got to start small, start with the independent boutiques, start going at that point. And then when you have enough stability to go into wholesale and even take a hit to your margins, that's when you can invest more. I'm under a million dollars in business. I know that I have to diversify my channel, similar to what you preach about making, like in order to become a millionaire, you have to have like seven revenue streams. You have to have multiple streams of revenue in business too, where you're distributed is really important, whether it's your, a website, an Etsy shop, independent wholesale and retail, and then the big box stores. Like you have to continue to diversify where you're getting these channels. Like the channels are coming from ads, influencers, affiliate marketing, like continuing to diversify where you are and where you're seeing is really important. And that's what my goals are for 2024 is to diversify where we're sold and how we're sold. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it does provide that sort of like financial security when you know you can kind of push and pull these different levers of income in your business versus just having like one channel that you're generating all of your income from. So I love that advice. Now, you were also lucky enough to become part of an accelerator from Ulta Beauty. So can you tell me how that opportunity came about and what it's been able to do for your business? Absolutely. So I actually did like a cold application in 2022. And honestly, I don't know how I got picked up. A totally cold application. Like I knew that 
there were grants and accelerators out there. Like I've been following other entrepreneurs and realizing like maybe I can win some money and be part of these programs and accelerate my business because I was already full time and I wanted to start skyrocketing and I knew I had something special in my business and what I, in my mission and my vision for it. So I got through, like I had two interviews and I remember vividly sitting at the table on a Friday with my family. We don't have pizza Fridays in my house. I'm Salvadorian American. So we have pupusa Fridays. <laughs> and so we said that we were sitting at the table eating pupusas and I get the email that I got in and only eight brands got into the program. And it was the inaugural program. I was the youngest and the only Latina founder of that of that cohort. And I was 25. Everybody else was in their late 20s or in their 30s in the program. And I was flown out to Illinois. I was flown out to Chicago by Ulta Beauty. And I was part of their program for eight weeks. And it was amazing because at that point, like I had already launched into Nordstrom and I'm like, okay, what is it going to take for me to get into a retailer of this magnitude? And when I say that Urban Outfitters, Nordstrom are the, they're like the JV of retail because these are, they're specialty retailers. Then I got to Barnes and Noble and I was at Varsity and that was really challenging. Like it really pushed me to my breaking point and then understanding what it takes to get into an Ulta Beauty and beyond is like you're in Division One sports. The Target and Walmarts, those are like NFL level. Yeah. <laughs> they, like they will kick your butt at every point. Yeah. So it was really great to be part of these programs because it's all about retail readiness from the very beginning of like the brand foundation all the way to supply chain management and talking about the gondolas and product placement and merchandising, like all the things that you don't really realize when you're first getting into a product-based business. And I will say, if I knew what I knew now back in 2020, I probably wouldn't have launched. I launched being so naive because as I've learned along the way, I threw myself into the deep end of a pool and just trying to swim. I think that's the best way to go about it, honestly. I think that ignorance is sometimes bliss as an entrepreneur because you, if you see all of these potential like roadblocks or just obstacles that you're going to have to go through and you already know that they're there, you're probably going to be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to sit my ass here and keep this corporate job and not complicate my life. <laughs> I probably would have been really happy with that option, but whew, I did not know how what I was gonna, I was getting myself into yeah. with all the retailers. <laughs> you, you're handed a file that when printed is the size of a textbook and you're expected to read it, understand it and not make mistakes because... In the retail world, if you make mistakes, you get chargebacks. So like it's $250, like a carton or a package, you know, that's shipped with a label charged back to your, against your purchase order. And that could be detrimental to the business. Like you could, you could basically get product for free at that point, because if you make simple mistakes, you will pay for them. And it's really hard on somebody who's type A, you know, <laughs> And a perfectionist because you're tested beyond a reasonable doubt, your perfectionism. Have you pitched retailers that have said, well, we don't get it. We, we just don't understand what you're doing. It's not that they don't get it, actually, because I have pitched retailers and they get it. They just don't think it's big enough. 
Ah. They don't understand the magnitude of the Latino power. And the way I got each retailer was very different. So Nordstrom was my first retail launch and the buyer was Latina and she was about my age and she understood the product. She loved it. And also the timing was right because it was 2021. And so diversity initiatives, the 15% pledge, we were like, yes. And she loved it. She loved the product. I sent them to her and we were off to the races. Barnes and Noble came about because I hired a sales agent and she pitched and they were like, okay, we're going to launch for Hispanic Heritage Month and only place you in the Spanish language section at a few select Barnes & Noble stores. I'm like, okay. But you know what? The Ulta money that I talked about, the Ulta grant, it was $50,000 they gave me in this program. I used that to upgrade my packaging. The packaging alone sold Barnes & Nobles that we would launch nationwide. So that was the power of that, that kind of money and that kind of upgrade for the business. And then... After that launch, I went to a trade show August of this past year in August 2023, and I was able to meet with the Urban Outfitters buyer. And she immediately, again, she was a very young buyer, assistant buyer, and she understood the product, immediately wanted it for Hispanic Heritage Month. But it was because it was August, I was like, I don't think that's going to happen, but <laughs> let's see how fast we can do this. Because again, it's like you're handed a textbook. And you need to read it and you need to understand it on board, like all the processes. This is the third time I'm going through this. So I'm like, I know how much work this is going to be. And that's how I got, that was how I got the third one through a trade show. So every time I, I was able to land a deal, it was acquired very differently. And so it plays into like the strategies for how I'm going to acquire like more wholesale clients. So I'm going to another trade show this, this February in February, 2024, to be able to meet with more independent retailers, meet with hopefully larger ones as well. And that's kind of how we continue on with, with business and acquiring more distribution. Where do you get this self, uh, this sense of self-confidence from? Because I just, when I hear you talk about all of the things that you've done, and I think about being your age again, I'm just like, yo no sé de dónde salió los cojones que esta muchacha tiene, because I literally, I had no confidence in myself in my 20s. Where does this come from for you? I, a really great support system. I think that I have a great partner who has supported me the last seven years of my life. And I'm so excited to marry him in 2025 because he has seen me go through the ringer. Like he saw me going through like the internships to getting my job, to quitting my job, starting a business. And even to this day, I, when I have my days where I'm down and I'm like, you know, I lost, I lost the deal like last winter and I was so down in the dumps about it. And he's like, you're going to make it work. Even if I'm not profitable, he's like, you're going to do it. Like you just do. And having that in my back pocket has always been amazing. And then my family, like I, I talked about them a lot because without them, none of this, none of this would really be able to have happened. I, I would have had so many more hurdles and struggles to get this business off the ground. And also like my business has been a, a point of great generational wealth because I'm able to help support my family now. Like I'm able to pay a portion of the mortgage because the business takes up like half my house. <laughs> like I have a high ranch house, the bottom half of it all for, it's all business. And, and I pay a portion of the mortgage. I 
I pay for the car that we all drive because it's a business. It is a business expense to keep going to the post office and UPS and getting supplies and materials and all, all the ringers, like going to events, like everything. So without them, the, the self-confidence I don't think would be ha- would happen because they're like you they continuously tell me you can do it even when I don't feel like I can do it they're just like you just do like I don't know what it is about you but like you just you just keep going even if like a hurricane is going to hit <laughs> well you know I think sometimes we do need those reminders because I know for a fact I'm definitely harder on myself than anyone it around me is. And, uh, you know, I can definitely relate to the type A wanting to control all the things, taking rejection personally, all that stuff. So it's great that you have that support system to remind you really of what you're capable of. And I think it also helps to just take a look at the evidence of what you've been able to do so far. So speaking of all the things you've been able to do, I mean, for you being such a young entrepreneur, like your path has been so incredibly inspiring to watch. I want to know what's next. What is up next for Bonita Fierce Candles? It is such a loaded question because this past year was immense growth. It was such great growth, but also I am very tired of working from home and making candles from home. And so the next phase of business is getting a contract manufacturer, growing our business enough in D2C to warrant a contract manufacturer. Like we're there for retail. So making sure that we're sustainable enough throughout the entire year is also a very big priority for us because like I said, like I spoke a little bit about the seasonality of candles. Like we don't sell as much during the summer as we do during the winter, the fall and the winter just kind of how it works, but making sure that we hit the calendar where we can. So, you know, for Valentine's Day and for Women's History Month in spring and making sure our marketing and messaging is on point. So people are encouraged to buy like a lavender fabulosa candle for Mother's Day, you know, for, you know, their mom that says, no, sabe nada. I don't want anything like I, I, nothing. I want nothing. And you give them something that's going to make them feel so, so special. So we want to make sure we hit those points. Also new product development. I want to create more scents and more fragrances. Later down the line, I definitely see our like Bonita Fierce Candles rebranding and expanding because I was thinking way too small when I first started this brand. It was intentionally meant to be a side hustle. So I think I really need to spin the wheel and rethink how can I make this a household name? I've been able to expand to all of these stores and get all this credibility and and build a business, but it wasn't intended to be. So definitely going backwards into brand foundation and thinking, what do I want Bonita the Fierce Candles to look like in five years on shelves? Like how am I going to become the next Latina Martha Stewart of the world? Oh. I love that. And we are manifesting all of those vibes here. I know everybody that's listening is going to want to know, first off, where we can find your products. And, um, you know, I, I can definitely envision this becoming like a fragrance situation where, you know, you have room sprays and you have like the plugins for the wall and we see you at Bath and Body Works or whatever. Like, it's just, I think this is an incredible thing that you've built from your freaking house in the middle of a pandemic, bootstrapped. Which, speaking of which, have you considered investor money, pitching to investors? And uh, if not, is that something that you are considering? I have been toying with this for 
many, I feel like many years, but it's probably been many, many months thinking about investor money. I don't think we are ready yet in terms of revenue. And I also know how taxing it can be on a founder to be able to pitch as an underrepresented founder in this space, like how rare it is and where I am in my life. I don't think I'm ready. And I also would like to gain more experience before heading that route. I def- It's definitely not out of the, the running for me, but I would like to see the brand shift before I go there and figuring out every avenue to acquire capital and funding before going the investor route, like exhaust as many options as I can in the economy we're in right now, because that's also something I'm considering and knowing other founders who have raised and getting perspective on what raising money really means. I still want to be in control of my business and I still want to be the one to make executive decisions. And I don't want to burn so much cash that's required to continue expanding and pushing the envelope. That's that's not something in the cards for me right now, but definitely something I would consider later down the line in business. I definitely want to to build as much as possible to become a household name, but it's going to take some time. And I know that as a first-time founder and also as somebody who just generally needs to be in this business for a longer period of time. Yeah. I think that's really an honest perspective. And I think, you know, the thing that I always cringe a little bit at from the perspective of taking investor money is this idea of like you're relinquishing control, you're giving up a part of your business. And, you know, that can be something that then transforms the vision of what you created into something that you don't even recognize. So I totally get why you would want to really be mindful about that process. And I think, um, you know, shows like Shark Tank glamorize it, but it's definitely not as sexy as it sounds when you're giving up, you know, creative control over what you've built. Definitely. And honestly, I'm very scared of Shark Tank. Like yeah. The level of <laughs> exclusivity and the like how special you have to be to be able to get a deal now is crazy. Because I've, yeah. I've binged every season of Shark Tank <laughs> and it has changed dramatically over the years. I don't also see myself as like a business that could take VC money, probably angel investor money, probably like you know, doing like crowd, doing additional crowdfunding mm-hmm. and thinking about like a we a we funder, yeah, getting investors through like mm-hmm. a, like a crowdfunding method mm-hmm. because I really want to be able to rely on our community and and I don't feel as though there's any way for me to be a company that could that could be tech. I don't know if it's being tech enabled or being the kind of company that venture capital requires because you can't patent fragrance. It's not something that's patentable. You could trade my fragrance name, sure. But hitting all the points to what it takes to get investors is extremely difficult. And I didn't intend for this to begin with. So it's hard to like change the wheel and re-envision the brand again in order to fit their mold. And I don't think I'm ready for that. Yeah. So knowing what you know now, what is the best piece of advice that you would give to an aspiring founder? Oh my God. I I get this question a lot actually, because the hardest thing to do is really to start your business and really take the leap, really put in like the work and the leap of faith to say to yourself that I can do this and doing it consistently. I always tell founders to not let their imposter syndrome get the best of them. 
because I really did start from nothing. I started in my kitchen, in my dining room, my garage, and I'm still not at a point where somebody else is pouring my candles for me in a factory, but I'm still in these amazing stores with these, with accolades. Like it is possible for somebody to do it, but you can't tell yourself you can't do it. Not letting imposter syndrome getting the best of you is so important. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. I love that. From a self-care perspective, it's really easy for us to put ourselves on the back burner, uh, pun intended. But um, what does it look like for you when it comes to building some sort of self-care routine as a full-time entrepreneur? This is actually one of my 2024 New Year's resolutions (laughs) or like vision board moments because I took the best everything shower the other last week, which really is like one of the Gen Z terms of being like, you do everything from like your hair, face mask, like shaving, exfoliating, like all the things you would do in like four hours, take four hours of your day to just fully do everything you haven't done in like weeks. And I want to have more of those. I want to stand in the shower at more everything showers, like in the bath, in the shower for an hour, washing my hair, doing like exfoliation, the scalp scrubs and the the deep conditioning mask because I have curly hair. So not only does it take a lot of work to maintain, but like I want to be able to show up more on social media as well. So I'm not a super front facing founder. And it's very hard for me to get on camera and feel like I'm talking to somebody. I'm more of a writer. My my strong suit has always been to create relationships online behind a screen rather than being in front of one. Can totally do it, you know, one-on-one and, and, and presenting in a room, but being a little bit more intimate about it is kind of hard for me in a public setting. So I, I know if I'm able to do some more self-care in my everything showers and feeling like, no, I, I'm comfortable in my own skin again. And I suffer from eczema on my face too. So that takes a kind of a toll of like putting, making sure like I I can put on makeup and it looks nice. And those are like the, the little things that discourage me from wanting to be on camera. So I really want to be able to take care of myself more, more everything showers all the time and showing up online because I need to connect. If I want to grow... You low-key have to be an influencer of sorts. It is true. And, um, you know, I think one of the beauties of entrepreneurship is that it really does force you to confront all of the limiting beliefs that you have. Because if you want your business to be successful, there's just going to be shit you got to do that you were just like, wow, I never realized I signed up for this. But here we are. (laughs) I could not agree with that more. More so because it was the end of the year. And I had to do my, I have to look at my taxes oh, gosh. and my finances and, and contracts and legal and the things I never intended to do and wanted to do as an entrepreneur. I'm like, I don't want to stare at my financial documents for eight weeks straight. I'm tired. <laughs> like I want to be creative. Yes. So I totally feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Melissa, congratulations on all of your success. For folks that want to support what you're building, your brand, let us know where we can find you and if you have any cool stuff coming up. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, Melissa underscore Gallardo or at Bonita Fierce Candles on our website, bonitafiercecandles.com. You can find us at Nordstrom, Barnes & Noble and Urban Outfitters as well. 
That's incredible. Y'all, these candles are so legit. I bought my sister and my mom uh, the Fabuloso ones for Mother's Day and they were losing their minds because it's just like, it's, you think, oh, it's, it's just the candle, but it's so much more than that. To see yourself represented in this way that, you know, we've never been able to connect with brands in the way that we can now with incredible founders like yourselves that are adding this level of culture and relevance to products that we use and love every day. It's just, it's so exciting to see. I think it marks what the future of entrepreneurship, especially in America is going to look like as more and more Latinos get involved in this world. And I just want to wish you and your team, your family, your partner, everybody who's contributed to this dream, so much success and keep us posted because I know this is just the beginning. Thank you. I appreciate all of those kind words so much. Thank you so much for If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Being here. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered. Stay inspired and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer